The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. This is Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Chris Kaufman. I'm here, as always, with Simon Clancy, and this time with Alf Arteaga, unlike last week, who uh, who just knocked off to, to go to Vegas and... <laughs> Do a bunch of things that um, that he won't talk about. Uh, what did you do in Vegas? What, I'm, you didn't. You sent a few pictures, but I mean, it was very hush hush. I went to go see boxing. I went to go see Jaime Munguia defend his title at the Hard Rock, the joint. That was a lot of fun. I went to go lose a lot of money, and I went to go spend a lot of money. Did you see any terrible eighties bands? No, but there was there was boys to men about to play that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised were, Chris didn't get. Yes, and they were gonna go I'm play. Surprised Chris didn't get a flight. Yeah, I think they were gonna go play at the Aria, and by the way, all their shows were sold out. So, like, they were kind of a big deal over there. Yeah, are you insinuating they're not kind of a big deal anywhere, like anywhere they else? Were, they were a big deal, but back yeah. in like 1982. Yeah, <clears throat> well, Chris, if, if Voice to Men was playing in my backyard, I'd close the curtains. So would I. <laughs> But yes, uh, Las Vegas is still there, and it's still wonderful, and it's still very, very expensive. Did you pick up um, any peculiarly shaped items uh, to bring back? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I didn't partake in any of that stuff. Although you can. I've never in been. Las Vegas. You've never been to Las well, Vegas, Simon? No, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't really appeal to me. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really... Like there's other places in the U.S. and around the world I'd rather go to. If people say, somebody said, oh, do you want to go to Vegas? I'd be like, I think so. I'd rather, I'd rather go back to L.A. or to, you know, mm. other places. Like there's a handful of places in the States I'd much prefer to either go back to or go to see rather than Vegas. Yeah, mm. well, it's it's very, very pretty. It's, it's, it's a very pretty city because you can see the mountains from wherever you are. You know, and you see the, and it's 110 degrees, but you see snow-capped mountains, so it is very, that's very also, pretty. That's also too hot for me. Yes, <laughs> but which is interesting is that in around November it gets down to about 32 degrees, and then it's okay. so dry that it's almost an insane to be outside. Right. Okay. Well, the the only time I've been there, I I had a lot of fun. I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I I was there when I was a kid. Of course, you can't enjoy it as a kid, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there as an adult a couple of years back, and I I had a great time. I I thought it was uh you know it was like one big theme park basically. But um, give us your three underrated U.S. cities. 
Wow. Three wow. underrated U.S. cities. Wow. You go first, uh, Chris, because um, I haven't got to think about mine. City. Washington, Washington D.C. I don't, I don't know about underrated, but I mean Washington D.C. is, is a uh, is a pretty great town. I I spent um I spent all four of my years in uh, college there, and uh, that was that was fantastic. Um, I Las Vegas again. You're like underrated, and I'm like <laughs> I've been that many places to to do anything underrated, but I I really was a fan of Las Vegas when I was there. Um, and then other than that. No, nah, I got to pass on the third one. I mean, unless unless hometown Tampa uh, is is a pretty good city uh, overall. You know, having been in Miami um, uh, quite a bit, and um, and having grown up, you know, in South South Florida, and you know, being uh, being in Tampa since then, it's it's a nice, it's a pretty nice city to live in, actually. My three are pretty simple. Since uh, since they get beat up so much, I'll I'll go right off the board and go Miami and Las Vegas right away. Because everybody thinks that they're just very one-dimensional cities, and I don't think they are. And the mm-hmm. third one is one of the best cities in America, and that's Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't like Atlanta that much when I was there. Really? Really? Uh, it, there was an there was an air of menace about Atlanta that I found slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you know, it's not like we don't have it over here. Yeah, but there was just there was just something about Atlanta that was just a little bit like don't know. Like someone was always lurking around the corner, ready to no, offer you lemonade. Yeah, no, no, much more than that. It was just a bit. It was just a bit, a bit strange, really. I, here's my three, okay, Missoula, Montana. Oh my god, that, that is a, underrated. A great city, Denver. Okay, okay. well I've always wanted to go there. I've always Denver to go is a great Denver. city. That's a yeah. great city. And St. Petersburg. I've oh, St. Petersburg. Uh, St. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Petersburg is a great city. Why? I I include that in Tampa. I mean, come on. That Tampa and St. Peter are the same. Or okay, well, Tampa I mean, Bay area. I mean, I mean, clearly my three were the best. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know about Missoula, man. Uh, you know, Missoula is a great city. Last time when I you... went, I went there. You know, I just got a bad feel. When you get to the yeah, I, that's very unlikely. When you get to the airport, there's a massive. <laughs> There's a massive stuffed bear in the airport. Really? It's about seven foot tall. Yeah. Uh. That's when you know it's going to be a good city. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, Simon. It, like prize fighting, I know you do. Uh, I do. There is nothing like a, a big fight night or a big fight weekend in Las Vegas. It, there really isn't. The anticipation, no, the people, you know, it's it's just great. I just love that place. Can't get there enough. Yeah, not for me, Clive, as we say in this country. <laughs> well, it is for me, unfortunately, I, I must say. Okay, so we're going to bring in a new sponsor. We had him on the show before, and that's Doral Toyota. Simon had a lot Keith. of fun. Yeah, Simon had a lot of fun online with them. And But we are excited to introduce you to our newest partner, which, like us, is pure South Florida. Although I'm from South Florida, we have Tampa, we have London represented. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years, complimentary maintenance, and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. 
In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come in, you will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota at DoralToyota.com. Or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Apparently they were going to send the, um, they were going to send the, um, the Toyota Osweiler across to me, but it got intercepted at the border. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Zach. Was he, uh, was he driving? Oh, I'm such a funny guy. <laughs> we should get Zach back on. Yes, he was a good. He was a good contributor to the uh, he was overall, a, he was a, you know, podcast. He was a great contributor, even though he yeah. didn't realize what was happening. He's almost as good as Shruli Drukman. Drukman. Ah, he's our he's our favorite. Yeah, yeah he definitely he's, And he, he is he, back he by the way be, this week. Do we credit cool. him as a as a producer on the show? Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, on the last okay. on the last segment uh, of the show, I will have Twitter questions, and I have oh, nine nice. of them, but I will only you know I'll only use about four on the show. But I will use his, and his is on there. Oh, nice. He's consistent. I'm surprised that he is nine out of the ten questions. No, no. He did send three, though. (laughs) Yeah. Just in case, you know, we we only decide to do one. Yeah, I only put one of his. I only put one of his on here, though. Only one gets three. three, We should rename it Three Shrewleys Per Carry. Yes. (laughs) Come on, let's talk about football. Yes. All right, there is there's real football. We talked about football. We've been been talking about real football for a couple of weeks now, so we're kind of spoiled now. Um, but we do have training camp is in full effect. We um, we've seen probably I think this is day six of uh, training camp that we saw today earlier. Uh, so we've got a full week really under our belts. We've seen a lot of developments. Disappointing things, um, things that uh, things that kind of you know raise your eyebrow a little bit. Uh, we've done some uh, patron shots on some of the developments on, you know, wide receiver Isaiah Ford with Simon and uh, corner uh, Tory McTire with myself and Alf. Um, so you can look for those; uh, those would be interesting. But Adam Gaze made a lot of news, specifically when he emphatically denied that Albert Wilson is a slot receiver. And uh, and this this was something that, you know, the Armando, I think his head just exploded. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald uh, was particularly under the impression that, that he was a, uh, a slot receiver. And he's written quite a bit about it afterwards, after that press conference. But Adam Gase was saying, you know, the thing that you do not understand or that nobody seems to understand is he's not a slot. Um, it takes a certain mindset, I think he said, to to play the slot, and uh, and he's not he's not that he's not a slot. He's uh, he talked about him playing the outside backfield um, from all different areas, carrying the ball, uh, and and he said that he can play in the slot, but he is not a slot. Played quite played quite a lot there today, apparently in in, in practice. I, I understand. And you almost wonder if he was just trolling people because of that. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But uh, but yeah, he did make a uh, make a pretty big. Um, I mean, it did become a pretty big deal, and we talked about it. I I did a series of tweets on it, and uh, and trying to tell people how I think that could all fit together. 
Um, but uh, but Simon, you talked a little bit about uh, Isaiah Ford, and I wanted to pivot this a little bit about Ford in that do you think his revelation that Albert Wilson is not a slot, or at least in his you know, to use the to use the words to say that it takes a certain mindset to play the slot, and then say that Albert Wilson is not a slot. You know, to me, shows something. And we know Danny Amendola is a slot. I mean, that, that's yeah. easy, right? So, um, do you think Isaiah Ford might be a slot? Because I recall him being used in the slot last year in, in training camp, and I've heard some hints that he's being used in the slot you know, this year, and you did a, a patron shot on Isaiah Ford, so I wanted to ask you, Simon, um, do you think Isaiah Ford could be kind of training on as that slot behind Amendola? I mean, he could be. I mean, he's a big, I mean, he's what, 6'2", 194? I mean, he's a big guy, but he's very sudden. He's very he, he's very disciplined in his route running. So I don't mm-hmm. see any reason why not. I, I just wonder whether or not, actually, the Dolphins would be better served in keeping... Obviously, Danny Amendola playing there, mixing it with a bit of Jaquie, mixing it with a bit of Albert mm-hmm. Wilson. And then obviously, you know, Kenny Stills, who people don't really talk about as being a slot. But, you know, we we and you specifically have done, you know, a lot of research on Kenny in the slot. And we discovered mm-hmm. just how efficient he was. Um, and I wonder whether or not as good as Ford has been, and he has. Now he's, you know, he sat out practice today with a shoulder injury. He's going to miss maybe a couple of days or more. How is that going to hurt him moving forward? Do we fall into the trap of getting really excited about a guy because it's you know he's looked good in the first you know and he's looked really good. We're not just talking about Chris Hogan here, um, right. you know who you know everybody talked about and then didn't make the team. You know Ford really has looked as good as there is, but I, you know I think and we talked about this pretty much with the start of the the podcast when we first started doing it about the kind of delineation of how we'll almost go drive to drive in terms of, look, here comes the big unit of Jasicki and Parker and, and then, you know, here's the four small guys and here's, you know, so I think everybody's, I get the feeling that a lot of players are cross-training at a lot of positions. You know, obviously Devontae's not going to play inside, but you kind of get the impression that almost everybody else at some point is going to line up inside in the slot, be that Amandola, be that Carew, be that Kenny, be that, you know, Albert, who Jakeem, obviously, it's, everybody's played there. And I don't think that they're necessarily trying to find a perfect replacement for, for Jarvis, in part because I don't think it's going to work. What I think they're going to do is just try and confuse people and keep defences on their toes because, you know, Albert plays, uh, you know, 14 snaps out wide and then all of a sudden he's lined up in the slot and, you know, all of a sudden he's on the free safety or, or a linebacker and, you know, Danny Amendola's out wide now. I, I think that's probably how it will be. I don't think that we will see a consistent player every single snap in the slot. And if we do, I suspect it will be Amendola one and Kenny Stills two, with probably with probably Albert Wilson three. What about you? Uh, what about you, Alf? I mean, you you saw you attended camp last year, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and you saw you saw Isaiah Ford work before he got hurt. Um, what do you think? What do you think of him, you know, where he fits? And and mind you, the reason I ask this is because clearly Danny Amendola is the slot and a lot of other guys can be kind of rotated in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Amendola's old and he's on a short-term deal. So if you're thinking about this in terms of, you know, upperclassmen and underclassmen here uh, and who might be training on to, you know, be replacements, clearly Adam Gase does have a high opinion of Ford. Could he, could he be looking at Ford? You know, who ran a four six, 
you know, four, six, one, uh, or thereabouts at six foot one, 194 pounds, you know, is, could he be thinking about him in the slot? What did you see from him in, in camp? Well, last year, what I, when I saw him work, uh, he looked like a complete wide receiver to me. And mm-hmm. he always catches the ball really cleanly, especially with his hands. He looks it in, and he, he has pretty good concentration. Now, when I saw him play, they weren't in full contact, but they did have pads on. And, you know, it you don't know if it's going to be different during the game when he knows he's going to get hit. But he always had pretty good concentration, and he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. He looked like a guy that was really, really adept to, to playing it. But I look at the team, and once you have a Danny Amendola, a Kenny Stills, and a Mike Gusecki, you have all you need to play in that slot. So, you know, I don't know. And we've seen Devontae Parker work out of there a little bit. So mm-hmm. could they have a package for Albert Wilson, or is he just strictly going to be playing outside, outside the hashes? You know, if he does, my suspicion is that if Albert Wilson is going to be playing outside the hashes, you know, he's not going to put up very, very big numbers. And I keep looking at that at that uh, contract he signed, and I would think that they would want to justify that with, with some targets. And we all know where Tannehill likes to go with the football. So I think you will see him eventually play a little bit in the slot. Uh, here's a name to keep in mind with Albert Wilson, um, and and that's uh, that name is Tariq Cohen. Uh, because Dal Lagans had Tariq Cohen last year with Chicago, and he got him quite a bit of work uh, out of the backfield. Also had him lining up wide. Uh, he did have a lot of carries, but he had some. He had catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lined up in different spots all over the place and got the ball in a lot of different ways. The way they're talking about Albert Wilson, um, another name to keep in mind is uh percy harvin because they're talking about albert wilson in sort of those terms as a guy that'll work in the backfield and that will take carries and not just you know, everybody everybody seems to overestimate how many carries a wide receiver actually gets if you look at it it's you know even a guy that is frequently or semi-frequently used on end arounds gets like maybe 10 10 or 12 carries in a year or something like that um they're talking about you know, Armando tossed out the number of maybe getting 30 carries for Albert Wilson or something like that. That would be that now you're reaching Percy Harvin territory. And um, and I think that uh, th- those are those are some names to keep in mind, you know, in terms of uh, guys that they might be thinking about uh, in the past and, and kind of identifying. And that's because if you look at Albert Wilson's history in college, I mean, that he was used a lot like that. Uh, he was he he has a history as a running back, um, and he he is used. I mean he he was used in Kansas City on a lot of shovel passes with midline read options and uh, and and things like that. So um, you know keep that's that's one thing I would keep in mind. The thing that I went on a sort of a Twitter rant about is that I think that he and Jakeem Grant in particular might do well as a pair. Uh, because Jakeem Grant bears a lot of uh, resemblance to Tyreek Hill, at least as far as their total long speed goes. The -hmm. fact that they're both good at carrying the football, um, explosive players, very quick, very fast, uh, and small. And um, and the fact that both of them are end-around threats anytime they they go in motion that way. Mm -hmm. And 
Kansas City played Albert Wilson off of Tyreek Hill really well. Uh, you know, they would have Tyreek Hill fake the end around, and then, of course, uh, there's Albert Wilson in the trail running the midline read, uh, you know, the shovel pass. And, and they would score touchdowns that way. And they also had um, Tyreek Hill running, you know, running deep and clearing out the coverage. And then that gives all kinds of room for Albert Hill to run underneath and uh, and and get the ball and then you know do some run after catch. I think that they have they would have good chemistry as a pair. They're already being used as a pair in training camp, mm-hmm. and in particular, I speculated that this might be this might work out well for the Dolphins in twelve personnel with two tight ends on the field, uh, bringing the defense into base. And then using the speed of Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant to back up the corners, back up the safeties, mm-hmm. you have a guy in Kenyon Drake that likes to bounce it outside. Yes. And when when you have a guy like Jakeem Grant who scares you know the bejesus out of out of corners and safeties to keep them respecting him uh, and and give up a lot of cushion and bail at the snap, those sorts of things, then you can leave that corner. You can make that corner an unblocked man. And, you know, because the running game is all built on getting a hat on a hat and then leaving one guy to match up with the running back, and your running back just has to make a miss, right? So, right. Um, so uh, you can leave the corner as the unblocked man as Kenyon Drake bounces outside, which at times, depending on the spacing, wouldn't be a good matchup for the, for the, for the running back. Um, but with the speed of, of Kenyon Drake getting to the, being able to bounce it to the outside and with the spacing that you could create by sort of the fear of the, of, uh, Jakeem's verticality or Albert Wilson's verticality, um, that could all of a sudden work. And, uh, and that's, that's the thing that I brought up on Twitter is the fact that, uh, Kansas city got nearly very nearly 10 yards per carry when they ran the ball out of 12 personnel with uh with Tyreek Hill and Albert Wilson on the field and the Miami Dolphins similarly you know I think they ran the ball maybe four times for 40 yards when Jakeem Grant was on the field in 12 personnel I think it's um I think it works out really well I think it could be very productive uh and and technically it would mean that Albert Wilson is not a slot because you know two wide receivers in a two wide receiver set um neither of those players really work out as the slot usually unless you're in the uh the red zone and you're splitting Gesicki out wide or something like that Mm -hmm. well before before simon takes us to break i want to get uh your input uh from both of you one thing i have not heard of all camp is a single word about 21 personnel you look at our backs, you look at our tight ends, you look at our wide receivers. Aren't we perfectly adept to playing it? And they haven't done it at all? What do you make of it, and would you do it, and how do you think defenses would adjust? How about You're trying you, to get Cal and Bellage on the field, aren't you? I don't care. Yeah, well, we, we, we could get Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake on there. <laughs> also, uh, we have the talent to do it. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I think A, we have the talent to do it. B, I suspect we probably are doing it and it's just not being fed back because, look, let's be honest, for the most part, the people that go and watch the games and especially those that report back to us wouldn't know 21 personnel if they fell over it. So I suspect that's as much to do with anything as, you know, uh, it'll be there. I'm sure it'll be there because we have the personnel to run it and, you know, we're going to run an awful lot of different formations. I, I, I don't think 
identification formation is or formation identification is a particularly strong point of those people going and reporting on the you know and i say that with the best will in the world i, I you know i just don't think that's what what they do i think it's a w- weird issue because dow Logan's used it quite a bit in uh, chicago mm-hmm. and and so you have you, you would start to think well why not miami um but it's weird because in before Miami, you further, they don't, before you go further, explain to the people what twenty-one personnel means. Twenty-one personnel is two running backs and one tight end. Yeah, uh, yeah. People, a, so, anytime you hear a number 11, 12, 21, yeah, the first number is right. the running backs, the second numbers is the tight ends. You know, that's correct. Yeah, it's very so uh, twenty-one personnel. Uh, you know, if you look at how it's used around the league, even though even though teams do experiment with using two halfbacks uh, as the two running backs in, uh, in 21 personnel, it's still mostly a fullback-based position um, yeah. out there in the league. And we don't have one. I mean, we have a tight end in Marquise Gray who has a little bit of experience playing like a fullback, but he's not a fullback. He's, it's not going to be considered 21 personnel. It's still going to be considered 12 personnel uh, by the defense when he's on the field. Um, so 21 personnel for the Miami Dolphins would mean actually getting Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake on the field or Kalen Balaj and, um, and Kenyon Drake on the field. I speculated uh, a long time ago, you may recall, uh, talking about the 99 Rams under uh, Mike Martz, who is really Adam Gaze's mentor, and Robert Holcomb and the way they used him with Marshall Falk. And uh, Kalen Balaj in particular is like a Robert Holcomb clone. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is a possibility. This is certainly a possibility. I think Kalen Balaj is big enough, strong enough to even be used as sort of a blocker in um, in those in a twenty-one personnel look. Uh, the question is, are they are they going to go ahead and you know we think of all these great ideas, but then they just go ahead and with the same eleven personnel like every single snap. So. Um, you know, will they actually do it? Will Kale and Balaj show enough in camp to to induce them to do that? Feels like uh, he has been, doesn't it? I mean, Tannehill was talking about the other day in terms of his pass protection, his great hands, and the way he runs. Yeah, it feel, feels like feels like he's part of the offense and and part of the plan. And look, you know, when you've got guys the size and the speed and the physicality of Drake and Balaj, who've got the hands that they have. Why on earth wouldn't you use them in those formations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, and hopefully, hopefully they will because the what people don't remember about those those ninety nine Rams under Martz was how multiple they were in everything that they brought, how many tight ends and running backs and and you know things that they brought to the table. Everybody just remembers the wide receivers, mm-hmm. and um, and it wasn't it wasn't like that. He used a lot of tight ends. He had a lot of tight ends. He used fullbacks. He used. Uh, he used Robert Holcomb and Marshall Falk in the backfield at the same time and did some some strange things with them that uh, that really kept the defense on their toes. And I would love to see those things happen in Miami um, under Adam Gase, who, you know, like I said, Mike Martz is his mentor. Cool. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend, you can join Dan Lebertard and Pappy for a night of music, art and dominoes. What a combination. Music, Heart and Dominoes during Mass Miami Volume 2 at Revolution Live and Stash in Fort Lauderdale this Saturday. It's music made by Miami as local bands, the Jacuzzi Boys, Magic City Hippies, Cannibal Kids and Dame Vicar will perform at Revolution Live. Now, live art will be performed by Diana Contreras and Sona. Plus, at Stash, 
Pappy's Dominoes tournament will be happening along with a live performance by local band Tamboka. And if that wasn't enough, all the proceeds, or indeed part of the proceeds, will go to Bullies North Beyond Rescue and the Ron McGill Conservation Endowment. You can get tickets by logging on to levitardbrothers.com. That's levitardbrothers.com. So join Dan and Pappy this Saturday for Mass Miami Volume 2 at Revolution Live and Stash. Right, it's break time. But coming up afterwards, we'll dig deeper into the first week of training camp. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> is chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. <laughs> so make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. This is the Five Reasons Sports Network. Sports by Miami, for Miami, on demand. We now have 10 podcasts in the network, posting roughly 15 times per week. All can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and several cross-platform apps. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Miami Heat Beat. Are we a Tyler Johnson away? Are we a Hassan? I can't even do that to you. I'm sorry. Breaking news. The Cavs are in shambles. <laughs> If you want to get involved as a sponsor or contributor, reach out to us at number five reason sports on Twitter and be sure to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of the fantasy on five podcast, part of the five reasons sports network, letting you know that your fantasy football needs are covered this season. My co-host David Ganos and I will be leading you hand in hand through your draft and right up to championship Sunday offering our insight into the world of fantasy football. We'll also be inviting some of our friends from Sports Illustrated, Yahoo, and DraftKings. Look for us Tuesdays and Thursdays starting in July, wherever you currently listen to your favorite Five Reasons Network podcasts. Back to three yards per carry. I'm Simon Clancy with Chris Kaufman, as always, and Alfredo Artiaga. Boys, we've kind of talked about the receivers, which has been interesting. It's time for a little general discussion, I suppose, about what's going on in camp. The first six days have been done. Chris, I know you've got some questions you want to raise in a minute, but what I think is interesting is that you almost go position by position. It seems to be Tannehill's playing very well. Fails and Osweiler, not so well. Bryce Petty mm. seems to be well out the back. The boys are running back. Everybody's amazed at Frank Gore and, you know, Ballage and, uh, and Drake are doing really well. Uh, you wonder whether they might carry just the three backs, whether Sonoris Perry gets in. Receivers we talked about, tight ends, Jasicki looking good. But Durham Smythe talked about a lot by uh, Ryan Tannehill the other day. AJ Derby's been injured, so seems to have fallen away a little bit. Always hard to grade the offensive line during camp, I think. But apparently today was a very strong day. Josh Sitton's played very well. Tunsil looks to have played well. Bit of a question mark over Jawan James with some ice on his ribs today. 
defensive line. I think we're going to come to that in a minute because there's some questions at defensive tackle. Raekwon McMillan apparently looking very good, uh, especially in coverage, very good in coverage. Um, and I, I suppose the biggest, I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest takeaway for me in the first week, I don't know about you boys, but uh, Xavier Howard and the play of Xavier Howard. Yeah. Know, we, talk, we talked about this on the, Alf and I, and you, you, you boys probably did as well on the, on the Patreon that we did last night with Isaiah Ford. But um, Xavier Howard, to me, is ready to make that step up into elite NFL corner bracket. Now, whether or not he does remains to be seen. But if he can play the same way this season as he did in the past sort of six or seven, the last six or seven games last season, I think we're definitely on something. And again, another player that's been talked up not only by the coaches, but by Tannehill the other day. And then, you know, Adam Beasley wrote a piece about how, um, you know, when Devontae puts on his uh, puts on his you know his equipment in the mornings, it's a surprise that he's not putting on Xavier and Howard as well, given how, you know, tight the coverage has been. Yeah. Uh, I read today, I read today again, you know, just absolutely locking players down. Locked Parker down, switched to Kenny Stills, apparently had a deep touchdown that Tannehill threw to him in stride. And here's Xavier leaning over the top of him to knock the ball away. Um you know, this kid is ready, I think. And everybody said, you know, he looks, everything slowed down. He looks physical. He looks big. He looks strong. He looks powerful. He understands what he's doing. He, his timing is really good. Uh, this this feels like, you know, potentially our best cornerback since maybe, I mean, crikey, maybe the Satan Madison era. That that might be a stretch. But yeah. if, he develops the, if he develops the way that it feels like he's developing, this is a uh, this is a real positive for this team, isn't it? Yeah. Considering how young he is, certainly. Mm. I mean, you have to you have to start comparing him to those guys because he's just going to get better, right? Mm. I mean, it's it's he's developing on the right track. Yeah. Um, for one of those for one of those premium guys. Interesting as well to see talk today about Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, we've heard a little bit. You know, he had the fight with Jakeem Grant a couple of days ago, but. His name mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, we've heard the rumours of the interceptions. We haven't really been given great detail. But apparently today, you know, two or three really big plays in the passing game. And then he was uh, he was lined up in the slot. He played slot corner um, with a third-team defence for, for a portion of practice today as well, which I, I thought was quite interesting. But feels like he's beginning to, you know, people are just beginning to sit up and take notice beyond just the coaching staff. So... I think that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. You had an interesting line of questioning, I think, that you wanted to try and get out of Alf and I. Where, where do you want to go with that? Yeah, I'll start with Alf, actually. Um, and I just wanted to ask, because, you know, we, we see all these training camp once it starts and you get the first week out there, is chasing a bunch of narratives, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. And they change, they change, sort of change and shift around every day. Um, you know, sometimes the narratives uh, take hold and start building on themselves. And I wanted to ask you, you know, give me give me something that is developing at training camp that is actually either concerning or exciting for you. And then give me something that you just do not buy, like something that that has been happening supposedly, but you, you just don't buy it at all. One thing that is kind of concerning but can be exciting is... The triumvirate of Cordray Tankersley, Tory McTire, and Tony Lippett. We either have three very capable players to play opposite of Xavier Howard, or we have none. Because nobody has stepped up yet. Uh, I think as of this podcast, the count is at 2, 2, and 2 
or I'm sorry, it's three, two, and one with Tankersley mm. taking three practices as the first team, Lippitt only taking one, McTire having two. Do we have a player on the opposite side, or is this a position that we're going to be looking into camp cuts the final week of training camp and hope that somebody shakes free? Mm-hmm. This is a uh, this is a narr- the, the narrative was that we had three pretty good players going for one spot, and that the other spot was fine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of concerning because people do get injured, and Xavier Howard has shown that you know he's been injured before. If he yeah. takes an injury, do, are we all of a sudden go from a position of strength to the worst position unit on the team? Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible, you know. And the second one that you asked me was, which one don't I buy at all? I would say the one that I don't buy at all is his narrative that Robert Quinn is going to play 85 snaps a game because <laughs> everybody keeps saying those are the two defensive ends. It's Cameron Wake. It's Robert Quinn. I don't. Buy uh, he's going to make the biggest impact. I think there's there are poll questions out there and such yeah. saying, you know, that he's going to make the biggest impact of any of the acquisitions on the team. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think he'll be fine, and if he produces a good sack number, that you know, that's great. It's going to make the team great. But I think there's so many snaps to be had there. Just look at the players. Just look at the players that are lined up at defensive end. Those guys have to get into the game. If not, you're just throwing money away. You're spending good money on, well, not good money, but what you would mm. think is good value on William Hayes. He should play some snaps. Charles Harris was a first-round pick. He has to play. Andre Branch is getting paid plenty, and he says he's healthy and he's ready to rock and roll this year. So he should play at plenty of snaps. So this narrative that has been, and it's and it's it's pretty prevalent in the media right now, that we have two defensive ends and they're going to play a ton you know, I don't buy that at all. I think it's still a rotation, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if even Cameron Wake's snaps are cut from last year. Simon, uh, you've already expressed like a lot of a, a lot of the what you've heard in camp and and sort of what you what you like about it. Uh, what about a thing that, like I asked uh, Alf, something that you've been hearing or that that's out there, but you just don't buy it. I think the defensive line, I think the interior defensive line concerns me a little bit. I think it's um, there was a pretty ugly Twitter spat this evening between Jordan Phillips and bizarrely Omar Kelly getting involved. And I, I'm not sure that's something a beat writer would you know, necessarily wants to do is get involved in a spat with a with a player, uh, especially mm-hmm. the way that, that that Kelly sort of took it, the direction he took it. That, that sits a bit uncomfortably with me. But, uh, you know, Akeem Spence and Jordan Phillips have been the, de facto starters, um, which, uh, you know, I think Davin Gotchow, uh, and I think, you know, Vincent Taylor apparently has played very well in camp as well. So I do wonder how long, you know, Akeem Spence certainly stays as a starter because, I, you know, I think Gotchow and, uh, and Vincent Taylor are going to push hard. And Barry Jackson this evening was talking about, you know, Chris Kachurek, the defensive line coach, is, seems happy and the guys are really playing for him. But, and the Dolphins will not pursue Jonathan Hankins because they don't think he's a scheme fit. But they, there, there is a question about whether or not you know, Barry raised the point whether or not the Dolphins will pick up a defensive tackle on the on, on the wire and some of the cut downs and the waiver wire towards the the start of the season. And I think that's a that's a distinct possibility because I do think that's a you know potentially could be an issue for the Dolphins. There, you know, I don't believe that that defensive 
left tackle position is completely rock solid that would be the that would certainly be the the thing that would concern me most uh, i think um uh, you know in terms of other narratives uh, you know it's interesting the, the the kicker seems to be in it. you know i know we don't talk kickers mm. very much but you know having lost the jupiter juggernaut you know who was a terrific player for us last season you like Jason saying Sanders. jupiter juggernaut don't you i know right that's yeah. the it's, it's the key it's the it's, it's a good nickname, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy de- the guy delivered. He was. Did you um, see Adam Gase's uh, Did you see Adam Gase's reaction too? Like he had the exact same reaction I generally do when, oh, yeah, when like... asked about kickers uh, on his press conference today. Somebody asked him about the kickers, and he just smiled and he's like, "We're really we're really going to talk about kickers." <laughs> He's going to say that now, but when we're training by two in New England and the kid's got a trot on with three seconds left to win it, he's going to want to talk about kickers. So, yes. you know, yes. we'll see how it plays out. We'll, but that's going to, you know, I, I think I think the kid we drafted, Sanders, is going to win the battle. It feels like Joseph isn't consistent enough. Uh, and Sanders has clearly got the booming leg. I mean, I, th- I don't think he's missed or he's missed minimal kicks over 50 yards. His, his biggest issue seems to be between 30 and 40 yards. Um, but that'll be interesting to watch as we carry on because, you know, you can't, you can't not be accurate in that, in the, in that distance, because, you know, I, I suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect if you break it down, I would suspect that the, you know, the majority of a kicker's field goals come between the sort of 30 and 45 yards, you know, and if he's not consistent in that area, then we are going to have troubles. But I think defensive line and, and the kicking game would be two areas I'd be, I'd be intrigued by. And I, I take Alf's point about the, about the corner and what happens if, what happens if Xavier goes down. I wonder, and I wondered when Alf was talking, I wonder whether or not they would consider moving Minka to cornerback if there was an issue with Howard, for example. I wonder if that's crossed them. I don't know. They, they seem to be playing pretty much nickel and, and you know, deep safety. Um, but I wonder whether or not that has been a thought, given how he played, how well he played out on the perimeter of Alabama, whether or not they might do that. So I wonder whether we would be in quite as dire straits as we think we might, given his cross-training ability. Here's what uh, I'm thinking. Here, here's what I'm thinking, and I want to get your thoughts, Chris. If, you know, trash, trash is a little bit, harsh of a term but let's say all three are trash why isn't Bobby McCain getting a shot there and worse come to worse you know Minka Fitzpatrick can play the slot and at least that gives you a complete secondary like I thought we were gonna have some some training of Bobby Bobby McCain opposite of Xavier Howard in base and it hasn't really happened well, that's that's actually I would question that because uh, unfortunately neither, none of the three of us have been there thus far. We're you know we're working on getting you there, Alf, um, and and we'll hopefully next week be able to to talk a little bit more about that. But um, just because we haven't heard of it, heard it, you know, reported doesn't mean it's not been happening. Because Bobby McCain, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, he was being interviewed coming off the practice field and he was asked something about uh about how he's been moved around at different positions uh this camp and he specifically i mean he he talked uh, explicitly about how he wants to learn all of these different positions and how he is learning all these different positions so that he knows all the assignments and you know can can go around and play play everywhere he even talked about playing a little safety and um and he talked about playing corner he talked about playing nickel uh slot he talked about playing a little bit of safety um 
it, it sounded it, it sounded a bit like uh, intriguing to me because you know that's not something that we've heard talked about with Bobby McCain much before. But then you go back and look at the the long term, the very long term contract that they just gave him. So obviously they think very highly of him, and and I thought that that was interesting. I think that maybe he is in the running, and maybe they just know um, they just more or less know what they have in Bobby because he did play on the outside last year when. Uh, at different times when they were struggling on that outside, um, I, I mentioned in the in the patron uh, the patron shot about Tory McTire and Alteron Werner on the outside. But you know, actually, the starting outside corner of that Kansas City game was Bobby McCain because when they were in base, then Bobby McCain was on the outside. Uh, it was when they had Nickel out there that Bobby McCain was back on the inside, and of course, uh, at first, Alteron Werner was out there. And then Torrey McTire um, replaced him for the final three quarters. So I, he might be he he might actually be in the mix there. Uh, and and it's I find it interesting that Alf, you said the the sort of the narrative that you don't buy is that Robert Quinn is is coming come here going to be our most dominant newcomer um, and make this you know giant uh, giant impact on the defensive line and. Which is contrary to some of the reports, of course, that you're hearing out of right. camp, the narratives that are already forming. And, and Simon, you say that you're not quite buying the defensive tackles, you know, as being because there is a narrative forming. The defensive tackles are, are doing a really good job out there. They're looking really, um, really good. And, you know, these so and so are starting and and stuff like that. And you're not quite buying that we're set at that position, that we're OK and uh, I, it's funny, all three of us are thinking along the same lines, except I would take the flip side, the opposite end of that coin, were the, uh, with the offensive line. Because for probably five of the six days mm-hmm. that we've seen in camp so far, the narrative has just been constantly that the offensive line is struggling. That the offensive line is getting dominated by the defensive line, that they're, um, they're, they're really struggling in pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's Laramie Tunsil, Jawan James, uh, I've heard Daniel Kilgore is is struggling. Um, I don't think anybody's really picking on Josh Sitton. Um, however, it, overall, offensive line has been picked on by the media and by the camp observers, and this is the narrative that I'm actually not buying. That I, I think that this is this is the one that you toss it away and say I need to see it in real games and preseason and such before I start buying this because listen th- this is camp and so these are these circumstances are not the same as games you're running set you know plays uh, you got hardly any run plays out there uh, on some of these days and so the the defensive line are pinning their ears back and that plays exactly into the Chris Kasurik's style of coaching because that's that's what he wants his defensive linemen to do is completely pin their ears back and attack. Um, and the plays that you're being run, that you're running throughout the, the camp practice uh, might not involve running plays. And so they know what's coming. Uh, and, and it's really not the same as you get in a game situation. I need to see it in the real game situations before I start to get concerned that the offensive line is getting whipped the way they are. And that I think feeds into Simon's point that, you know, even though we're hearing that the defensive tackles are doing great or doing fine, that might not actually be true when we get into actual game situations. 
And on the flip side of that, I think that when we get the offensive line into game situations, you do have run plays and you do have running running games and you, you do have game plans and um, it's going to be a whole different ball game. And that that's the narrative that I don't buy. Um, the one that would con- that that is a little bit concerning to me and that I do buy is uh, is Tony Lippett. It doesn't seem like he's he's really reaching reaching out and taking hold of that that spot or even really competing on the same level as Cordrea Tankersley or surprisingly Tory McTire. Um, and and I think I have to wonder, considering the injury he's coming off of, and considering already he was a guy that didn't have great athleticism, was making a move from wide receiver in college to corner, you know, and, and really this would be, this would really only be his third year trying to play on defense at all. Mm. And now he's coming back from a major, major injury that sometimes it takes that second year to come back from that injury. I'm concerned about him. I think, you know, despite what we want to be optimistic about him, it, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always work out that way. And that I think that he, it might, we might be in a situation where he's just, he's just not very viable for the, for the dolphins at corner this year. And we might have to be talking about Tory McTire and Cordray Tankersley and Bobby McCain and hope, hoping that guys like, um, like Cornell Armstrong and uh, Jalen Davis also come along to, to help us uh, provide depth. Okay. Before we get into Twitter questions, I'm going to ask each of you three very quick questions. They're basically yes or no's. All right. We're going to start with you, Simon. Mike Kosecki, the hype, is it real or you got yes. to see more? Real. Okay. Chris? Absolutely real. Okay. Simon. Jawan James, any any concerns that he found an injury when nobody's actually hitting anybody? No. Okay, Chris? No, I'm not concerned there. Okay, Simon, Devontae Parker, is he playing his last season as a Miami Dolphin this year? Yes. Chris? Yes, and he might not even play this season. Well, that's a hot take if I've ever heard one. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's something we'll talk about next week. All right, here are some Twitter questions. All right, this first one is for me, actually. It's from Greg Larson at GSL Now. And he says, so off, your boy Callum Balazs is looking like the real deal. Are you giving Simon and Chris a dose of <laughs> I told you so? Who uh, chose these questions? Uh, n- yeah, no, sir. I'm, I'm not doing that yet. I will do that in about 13 years at his Hall of Fame induction. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. This you is... will be introducing him. Yes, I, I mean, will. He... I'll, I'll get up there. I'm going to be out at the stage. You know, I got. I got to run a tux, though. You know. I gotta... Oh no! You'll you'll be his. You know. You'll... Him. Who? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. This, this first question is from Paul DeAnselger, another one of our favorites, another co-host hey. of ours. Okay. Is this the real? Is this the real Poldy? Yes. And his question is kind of general, but you could you could kind of answer it. He says, you guys think all of the draft picks will make the team? And then he goes on to give his opinion. He thinks that it's going to be tough for Cornell Armstrong and Jalen Davis, etc. Blah, blah, blah. So, guys, first of you, Simon, uh, do all of the draft picks make the team? And who does not? Uh, I think uh, I think Cornell Armstrong has an uphill battle. It wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Davis was a practice squad player. Okay. Um, I think they like him. Um, but I think Cornell probably 
it may just be a bit too steep for him. I think Durham Smythe makes it. I think obviously Balage makes it. I suspect the kicker makes it. Um, and obviously the early round, yeah, Jerome and uh, and and, and 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 Mink all make the team. I, I suspect it might be a little bit too um, a little bit too spicy for Cornell. Okay, Chris. Echo your thoughts on Cornell Armstrong, and I think specifically Tory McTyre's uh, sort of surprising ascendance to getting two days already out of uh, out of the six as the first string guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said this on the patron shot uh, that we that we recorded the other day uh, that if he had finished that interception against Kansas City on what was otherwise a really stellar day for him then we wouldn't have even drafted Cornell Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I think that the fact you know, that he didn't necessarily put the exclamation point in that day doesn't matter now because he's doing it during in, in camp. And, um, and so Cornell's going to have a tough time because he's an outside-only guy. And that's, that's exactly where Torrey McTire is making waves. So, you know, yeah, he's going to have a tar- hard time. But I also think Quentin Poling might have a, t- a tough time. Okay. So oh, we'll, yeah. we'll see on yeah. that because Chase Allen, Chase Allen is is making plays out there. You know he's uh, he's getting interceptions. He's even he's vying. He's still vi- very much in the running for the starting job at a base on um, on the outside with uh, along with Stephen Anthony, Jerome Baker, um, and Terrence Garvin. Uh, you know he's he's even getting a crack. We thought that it was just going to be those three vying for the starting job. And chase Allen seems to be inserting himself in that mix too. So polling, he could have a tough time. I mean, there's, there's going to be a numbers game going on. I'll give a, I'll give the listeners a, a, a little tip. Watch the, the first preseason game next week, next Thursday, actually. And watch the punt cover team. Quinn polling, not on there. He's in trouble. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The next question, let's ask, let's get Shruly Dukeman's questions in, okay? And it's, of course, at the real Shruly. And he writes, Is McTire the real deal or is everyone else just not impressing? We've covered this before, but you guys could be brief. Go ahead, Simon. I mean, I would say listen to Chris's uh, short podcast from, from yesterday because exactly. that'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Um, the real deal, I don't think he's going to start. I think he'll probably be a special teams player and. You know, uh, will be in the mix to maybe play some snaps, but realistically, I think he's not going to be ousting Cordray Tankersley or, uh, or Bobby McCain anytime soon. So, Chris, uh, yeah, I do think he's the real deal. Um, after having watched a lot more of him last year, and again, you can go to the patron shot to uh, to to hear more detail on that. But um, he has the speed. That, as I said before, you know, is his admission ticket to the position at uh, at the NFL level because he ran a four four one. He has says he has four three speed, and I, I don't doubt it. Um, he trusts his speed, he trusts his physicality, and he just keeps adding pieces to his game. So I've already seen enough to know that he can play, and he's he's worthy of the roster spot. It wasn't just a fluke, you know, that he made the team one year and is is going to you know come pass out of our out of our sight the next year. Uh, he's on the team, and he's got a future here. Will he start? Uh, I still would have Cordrea Tankersley as the favorite there. But at the same time, I have to admit, when I was looking at the Minnesota game, that uh, the final preseason game, uh, Cordrea Tankersley played a lot in that game, mm-hmm. and so did Torrey McTire. 
and Tory McTire was flat better. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one to watch. Okay. One last question before we get out of here. And we talked very briefly about next week's game. This one is from Noe Ozeguera at Easy Ozeguera. And he writes to add three yards per carry. He's, he writes, who do the Dolphins most need to re-sign before a Landry situation happens all over again? Go ahead, Simon. I wouldn't even know off the top of my head who the free agents were. Uh, I'll give you the easy one, Simon. This, this is James probably oh, yeah, this is probably no. This is probably the answer that Simon that you would be searching for and want, Xavier Howard. Yeah, um, is it Xavier up already? No, he's not. He's not up already. But I mean, he's this is his third year, and oh, once yeah, he, okay. you know, I mean, once you get through your third year, you yeah. you want to. <laughs> you want to get this guy in. That's a very uh, good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he lives anything close to, to what we believe he is, then you're going to want to yeah. get him signed, sealed, and delivered this year. Yeah. yeah you, don't because... want to, you, don't, you don't want to heading into his final year of his contract, you know, with mm-hmm. teams hungry for, you know, this is a passing league. You don't want a guy like that dangling out there in his final year because he ends up signing somewhere else and, you you know, you just continue to take two steps forwards and one step back. So, yeah, Xavier would be the guy. Absolutely. Good point, Chris. And, and, and John James as well. I think, you know, yeah. solid NFL right tackles of which he is an upper echelon right tackle. They don't come, you know, it's right tackle play in this league is not great. And when you've got a, a decent one, you, you kind of work hard to keep hold of him. And I think that's what we should be doing. I think it might already be too late for Juwan because he's yeah, already, he you know, he's right. already sort of ascended. Um, and yeah. and Xavier's the one that, yeah. you know, listen, if you let him get to his potential and you're too late there, then that contract could be massive. In Absolutely. twelve months' time, in twelve months' time, Xavier Howard could be comfortably the best player on the team. Yeah, could be. He could be. Um, and and if you try to sign him, then then you're looking at yeah. what like fifteen fifteen yeah. million a year or something uh, like that. Absolutely. You know, easily. Yeah. And so. So, I mean, that's you have to be careful of that. The, but I'll give you another guy, and I know that, you know, he's sort of like my version of Kalen Balaj, and that's uh, that's Jakeem Grant because he's about to complete his third year. And I think that right now, if you were to sign him, you know, with him at being a return guy, you know, mostly, and then as Omar Kelly, uh, the Sun, Sun Sentinel likes to say, a gimmick player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, if you were to sign him now, you're actually going to get him at a pretty comfortable price. Uh, for for on a on a fairly long term deal, I remember the Patriots did this with Wes Welker a long time ago. They got him on an unusually long deal at a at a pretty comfortable price, and of course Wes was angry about that shortly after because he was getting so much uh, so much production and still had to play out that entire contract. But I think that if you were to do that with Jakeem Grant, you would not regret it. Well, guys, that's it. There is no more. Next week, we're going to be previewing an actual football game. Like, people will be in pads, in uniform, inside of a stadium, on a field, hitting each other. Whoop, whoop. That's next week. (laughs) Yes. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.